have your Bibles, we're going to start in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6 today. Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. I want to talk to you today about forgiveness. Um, there are several things in the Bible that we are told that we give and receive. Um, Paul said that we receive the gospel and we're also to give the gospel. We've received the love of Christ and we're to give the love of Christ. And forgiveness is one of those things that we have received from Christ and we're expected to give that also. And so we're going to talk about forgiveness. Luke 6 is probably the favorite verse of just about anybody out in the world. Judge not and you will not be judged. How many have heard that quoted or pushed into your face? And it's scripture, but it means a little bit different than what many think. He says, condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, will it be measured back to you. And I don't know about you, but when it comes to forgiveness, I want that good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We need forgiveness. Forgiveness is both given and received. C.S. Lewis said this about forgiveness. He says, if we really want to learn how to forgive, perhaps we had better start with something easier than the Gestapo. And uh, how many of you know that, that sometimes there are tough people to forgive. There are difficult circumstances. And really, if we just start forgiving at the smaller things, the bigger things will come a little bit easier. Mark Twain said this, There isn't time so brief as life for bickerings, apologies, heartburnings, callings to account. There is only time for loving and but an instant, so to speak, for that. And we waste a lot of time, don't we, with, with bitterness and not forgiving. William Paul Young, and I don't necessarily, I haven't read his book, but the quote from him, and kind of maybe this brings it down to just practical. He says, forgiveness is not about forgetting. It's about letting go of another person's throat. And uh, some of you, maybe that's the first step, is just to let go of someone's throat. And forgiveness really isn't just simply about forgiving, forgetting, is it? In fact, you and I know that we can forgive someone something, but many times it's difficult to really forget. It doesn't take much, does it, when someone has harmed you, that maybe something reminds you of that, or you remember the pain that you experienced. But when we've forgiven them, we've let go of that. We, we don't bring it up to them anymore. Isaiah chapter 43, God says this, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And he says, and I will remember, I will not remember your sins. And we got to kind of put that together with the idea that God is all-knowing, don't we? That he is an omniscient God. He knows all things. And so when God says, I will not remember them, it's not that God has a weakness of mind. It's not that God is getting senile and old and he can't remember things. What he's saying is, I will choose not to remember that. I will not bring it up to you again, ever again. God is all-knowing, and he says, I will not bring it up. If you ever had a, a debt, many of you, if everybody mostly has a, a debt of some sort, but if you've ever owned a home, you have an enormous debt, don't you? That's probably the biggest debt any of us will have in our lifetime. And how would it be if, if someone called you from your bank and said, hey, we just want to let you know we're forgiving you of your debt? I mean, we'd be thrilled, wouldn't we? Oh, that big amount of money, and they said, it's forgiven. We'd, we'd be glad. But what if they came back three or four years later and says, hey, about that debt you owed us, we'd like to collect on that. Then it wasn't forgiven, was it? When it's forgiven, it's gone. It's never going to be brought up. We're not going to hold someone accountable for it. When you've forgiven it, you've given up your right to claim that back. And that's the way it is with our forgiveness for others. Corey Ten Boone, who I love reading about and love hearing her testimony, she was a, a young girl that her parents helped uh, Jews during the World War and helped them escape. 
And as a result of being caught doing that, her and her family were placed into a camp. And parents died. Her sister died in that camp. And it was terrible circumstances. Um, She remembers one time after the war speaking in a church in Germany. And as she was speaking, a man came up from the back of the room. And he was a soldier that had been in that camp, a guard. And she recognized him. And she prayed that he didn't recognize her. And he came up to her and said that God had saved him that he had forgiven him for all the things that he had done. And then he spoke her name and said, I want to hear that you forgive me, though. And she talked about the struggle that she had, but she prayed. And in that moment, she reached her hand out and she says, I forgive you, brother. Forgiveness is going to be put to the test from time to time. In another of her episodes, she spoke of an African man. She was speaking in an African village, and a man came into the meeting, and he had bandaged hands, all wrapped in bandages. And he said, uh, when she asked him what was wrong, she said his neighbor's straw roof caught on fire, and that he had went to help his neighbor put that fire out and burned his hands in the process. Later on, after the meeting, she was speaking to someone, and she learned the rest of the story. What had happened was he had had a neighbor who despised him, who hated him. And that neighbor in the middle of the night had set his straw roof on fire to kill him and his family. And he got up and he put the fire out and he saved his family's life. But in the midst of all that, a spark had gone over and lit the other neighbor's house on fire, the one who had tried to kill him. And so he ran across and he began to fight that fire. And that's where he burned his hands. That is putting our hatred aside, putting what people have done for us beside and sacrificing ourselves. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. And it's so important that Jesus included forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer, didn't he? The model prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 15, it says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Luke's gospel uses the term sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. For if we forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So right there in the middle of this model prayer that many of us learned as children in Sunday school and certainly we're all familiar with, in the midst of that, he includes the idea that I have to forgive those who've trespassed against me just as I've been forgiven. And then Jesus wraps it all up by saying that unless I forgive others, there is no forgiveness for me. And we look at that verse sometimes and we, we wonder and we ponder and we say, what do you think he means there? I think he means exactly what he says. That if we get stalled up and can't forgive others, our faith just stops dead in its tracks and we are going to be held accountable that we will not find the forgiveness we seek. And so forgiveness is important. In fact, forgiveness is mandatory, isn't it? C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity about the forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer and he said this, and there, right in the middle of it, I find forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. He says, there is no slightest suggestion that we are offered forgiveness on any other terms. It is made perfectly clear that if we do not forgive, we shall not be forgiven. How important is it? Forgiveness is mandatory. We just can't get away with it. You can't come to church and declare that I'm going to serve God and be a Christian and and I got a Bible and I know the songs and I, I got a parking space at church and I got my favorite pew at church, but this forgiveness stuff I'm just not going to do. 
Forgiveness is part of the package. It's expected. It's required. It's mandatory. One author said this, He that cannot forgive others breaks the bridge over which he himself must pass if he would ever reach heaven. For everyone has need to be forgiven. And so he just really shares with us this idea of how important it is. And in fact, Ephesians 4.32, one of my favorite verses says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. And then he says, forgiving one another as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. It's mandatory. We, we have no option. We'll not be able to stand before God on the judgment day and say, I did everything you asked me to do, God, but I didn't forgive. We have to forgive. We have to forgive. And we say, but you don't know what this person's done to me. Well, I know what we've done to Christ. And he knows every sin that we've ever committed, every sin that we ever will, and yet he offers us forgiveness. And I would su- suggest that maybe we'll never forgive anybody for more than what we ourselves have committed against Christ. Forgiveness is mandatory. And forgiveness is also costly, isn't it? It costs something. In fact, if we were to go back to the illustration of the bank calling you up and forgiving your note, we're forgiving that. It cost something to do that, didn't it? It just cost that bank whatever amount of money that was. It cost them something. And when God forgave us, it cost him something, didn't it? Ephesians says this, In him, Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things under the earth. Forgiveness, we look at it and we, we come, we have our sins forgiven. And aren't you glad that when you do wrong, that Christ is willing to forgive you and that there are no price tags put on it? It's not like you come to the altar and the preacher kneels down beside you and says, okay, what did you do? That's going to cost you dearly. God will forgive you, but get that checkbook out. In fact, for this sin, you might need the credit card on top of it. It doesn't cost us anything. But make no mistake, forgiveness costs something to the forgiver. It costs Jesus his life. Forgiveness is costly. And for us, we need to understand just how costly it is. Tim Keller said this, God's grace and forgiveness, while free to the recipient, are always costly for the giver. From the earliest parts of the Bible, it was understood that God could not forgive without sacrifice. No one who is seriously wronged can just forgive the perpetrator. But when you forgive, that means you absorb the loss and the debt. You bear it yourself. All forgiveness then is costly, and it will cost us to forgive. If we think about what it would cost us, maybe our forgiveness for others may cost us money. You ever had someone borrow some money from you and and then not pay you back, and eventually you just said, well, I I forgive that. It still costs you something, even though you forgave that. It may cost us some pride. How many of us have heard the term, I've just got to swallow my pride and move forward? And so forgiving someone may mean that I put the pride aside, and it costs me that, and I let them off on what they've committed to. It may cost you your rights. Your rights. Someone said, your right to be right sometimes has to be sacrificed. And so, while someone may have done something to you, and you have every right to do the same thing back to them, forgiveness says, I'm going to sacrifice that. I'm going to sacrifice that. And it may cost you sometimes just plain old satisfaction. 
How many of you get kind of hung up on justice? You know, the idea that, man, if you do this, this happens to you. And we're kind of raised that way, aren't we? we when we do something bad, we, we have a spanking, or we get grounded, or we get disciplined by our parents. And as we grow up, it just seems like that sticks with us. And anybody that does something wrong to us, we expect something bad to happen to them. We're not necessarily going to pull our belt off and chase them across the office. We can't really ground them. But in our heart of hearts, we hope that God will punish them. In fact, sometimes we get involved in the punishment ourselves in other ways, don't we? And forgiveness may cost us the satisfaction of justice being served. What someone might deserve wholeheartedly, we might have to sacrifice that. Forgiveness is costly. And forgiveness, uh, uh, one of the most important things is forgiveness is liberating. It sets us free. In fact, when we talk about forgiving someone, we often think that what we're doing is we're setting them free. But in reality, when we forgive someone, we're also setting ourselves free. Because you know what? Bitterness and unforgiveness and bad feelings, they wrap us up as tight as chains could ever be. They hold us down and they tie us up and we live our whole lives bound to these bad feelings that we've had. And it is amazing when we finally just say, I forgive and I let go of it, how free we feel. It's a lot easier to live without bitterness than it is to live with bitterness. And you can look at people sometimes and see in their lives and see in their eyes how difficult life is for them. And many times it's because they just carry bitterness and anger. William Ward said, A life lived without forgiveness is a prison. And I would say that that is true. One author said, Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It is a power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. Bitterness is li- or forgiveness is liberating. In a novel by Jonathan Tropper, and I believe it was made into a movie a while back, the novel was This Is Where I Leave You. There was a conversation between two brothers. One had been hurt in a relationship, and the conversation went like this. He said to the younger brother, I wasted a lot of time being angry, time I can't get back. And now I see you so angry about what happened to your marriage, and I just want to tell you at some point, it doesn't matter who was right and who was wrong. At some point, he says, being angry is just another bad habit, like smoking, and you keep poisoning yourself without thinking about it. I read that, and it just really struck me that sometimes being angry just becomes a habit. Maybe in the beginning we had a right to be angry, a reason to be angry. But we got angry and we stayed angry and we didn't forgive. And then it just becomes a habit. You've met those types of people. It just seems like they're, they're mad at the world. They get behind the wheel and they're mad. Although some of us get behind the wheel and we're angry too. But they get behind the wheel and they're mad. They go to work and it's like as soon as they clock in, they're angry at everybody at work. They pull into the neighborhood Sunday after church. They've just been praising the Lord, and they pull into the neighborhood, and they start talking bad about the neighbors. Didn't keep their yard up. Their kids are running around. They parked in my space. They're just angry at everybody. And they take it home to their families, and they're angry at their wives for they don't even know what. They're angry at their children. They're angry at the government. They're just angry, and it has become a habit to them. And it is a poison. It'll lock us up, and it'll bind us. But forgiveness is liberating. 
It sets us free from all that. It lets us put aside that habit of anger and bitterness and take a load off. It really does something for us. But this morning, one of the most important things that I could tell you about forgiveness is that it reveals our relationship with God. It truly does. If we can't forgive, it says a whole lot about our walk with God. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God forgives us. If we confess our sins, he says he's faithful and he's just to do that. That any time I come to him and I sincerely am sorry for my sins, I repent of them, he says every time he'll forgive me. Lewis said, To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And so when we go around and we are unforgiving, we don't let up on people that have harmed us, it really says something. It says that I don't fully comprehend what God has done for me. That I don't understand just what God did when he forgave me. Colossians 3 says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. I think there are people that walk around still feeling the guilt and the shame and the sorrow of their sins. And they don't understand just how completely God's forgiveness comes into their life and changes them. The great theologian Martin Luther in his commentary on Galatians said this, to be convinced in our hearts that we have forgiveness of sins and peace with God by grace alone is the hardest thing. And so sometimes, even though we've given our lives to Christ, we still feel guilty. We still feel wrong. We don't understand, how could God forgive me of that? In fact, some people, that's what holds them up from giving their lives to Christ, isn't it? They've done too many things. They say, God could never forgive me. I've gone too far. I've done too many things. I've said too much. But God's grace reaches, doesn't it? And he forgives. Andrew Murray said, Our forgiving love toward men is the evidence of God's forgiving love to us. It is a necessary condition of the prayer of faith. Our forgiveness reveals our relationship with God. If we're not willing to forgive others, then we don't understand God's forgiveness for us. And if we're not willing to forgive others, Jesus made it clear in his prayer that we will not find forgiveness for our sins. Max Lucado said very simply, you will never forgive anyone more than God has already forgiven you. I ran across a story this week about forgiveness and just the power of it. We're in the election season, and I know we're all just glued to our TV sets, watching these political commercials, and we believe everything they tell us, don't we? In fact, the big test of forgiveness will be after the general election and a new president comes in, we're probably going to have to forgive that guy every month for broken campaign promises. We will be put to the test. But the story was told of President Richard Nixon, who's infamous, isn't he, for Watergate. He's infamous for being labeled as a crook and a liar and all these things. And man, when his presidency ended, it it was a bad thing. And he was looked down on people. 
Hubert Humphrey passed away after that. And former President Nixon decided to attend his funeral. Many dignitaries did. Lots of folks that were important in Washington went to that. And Nixon, when he went, one article said that he was made to feel decidedly unwelcome. That people turned their eyes away from him. Nobody rushed over to sit next to him. And he could feel, it says, the ostracism being ladled out to him. You imagine being in that position. You're the outcast. You're the guy that's had your sins broadcast for all the world to hear. And now you're there, and it seems like nobody wants to even look at you. But the current president was Jimmy Carter. And he walked into the room. And Carter was from a different political party than Nixon. And Carter was known for his honesty and his integrity. And as he moved to his seat, President Carter, says, noticed Nixon standing all alone. Carter immediately changed course, walked over to Nixon, held out his hand, and smiling, and remember the big smile that he always had, broadly embraced Nixon and said, Welcome home, Mr. President. Welcome home. Newsweek magazine later that month recorded this in an article on the very incident. Newsweek said, If there was a turning point in Nixon's long ordeal in the wilderness... It was that moment and that gesture of love and compassion that changed everything. Carter gifted Nixon, didn't he, with just forgiveness. He didn't bring up his past. He opened his arms to him and said, welcome home. Welcome home. Nixon had done everything to deserve what he was getting. He had been the bad guy. He had done wrong. And it was just a pure act of grace and forgiveness on Carter's part. And when the Bible talks about God's forgiveness, that's a lot of what it's talking about. Is that even though we've been wrong, even though we deserve all the suffering that we receive in this life, God looks down on us and he just simply says, welcome home. Welcome home. Jesus sees us in our sin, at our worst, and he overlooks those things. And he goes out of his way, doesn't he? In fact, he left heaven and came all the way to earth to go out of his way to look us and say, welcome home. I'm willing to forgive you. You see, forgiveness is something that we give, certainly. And it's part of being a Christian we've got to forgive. It's costly, but it's mandatory. And it's liberating. It's good for us to forgive. But forgiveness is something we not only give, it's something we also receive. And God loves us so much that he is willing to forgive us our sins. In fact, it was so costly for him. It cost his son, Jesus Christ, to be able to forgive us our sins. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. It cost him something. And that forgiveness is liberating. We can walk out of this room today, and if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you walk out of here, you're still carrying all the load of your life, aren't you? You're still bearing the the weight of it. You're still taking full responsibility for it. When all the while, God is saying, if you just accept my forgiveness, I'll wash all that away. He sets us free from that. And even though it's undeserved, Christ has come out of his way. Embrace us. Let's stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord.